Welcome to the Social Housing Podcast from Voicecape, the only podcast dedicated to helping social landlords build sustainable tenancies. During this series of podcasts, we'll be speaking to leaders from the social housing sector and beyond, hopefully challenging the status quo a little bit, and also stimulating discussion around how technology can be better utilised to help build sustainable tenancies. I'm your host, John Doyle, the Chief Exec and Founder of Voicegate. suicide course so there was myself and Amanda who started out doing that and we were taking the calls but as Covid hit it just became bigger and bigger and bigger so we realised we needed some more volunteers to kind of help the two of us out and that's grown into a a 16 strong team. Myself and and Amanda we couldn't actually cope um, with all them calls Um, and we did have one or two volunteers who had been trained and we used to get one or two calls, maybe a month, and that quickly grew when COVID hit because people were facing these desperate situations. How are you? How are you helping the helpers? All of us have got so much capacity for empathy. There must come a point where people get feeling a little bit burned out. So I was wondering what you did to support that. Absolutely. In terms of the, the volunteers, we do a check-in. So after every call, they've talked. We're in contact because we we talk through the case. I get a copy of the case. I make sure that the volunteers are okay. So and, and we have our our meetups as well. Um, and they're quite a resilient bunch too. You know that and they will shout up if things are getting too much. And, and we do have them discussions. Today's guest is Jane Adamson, tenancy sustainment manager at Believe Housing. Jane was awarded an MBE for services to housing and suicide prevention in this year's Queen's Birthday Honours List. Okay, let's start off, Jane, with, you know, getting an MBE. How, how did that feel? I mean, it's pretty significant. So how did that feel? And did you see it coming? I didn't see it coming at all. Um, it was a complete shock. I believe housing the organisation I work for put me forward for it, but obviously they, they didn't tell me. Um, so when it, it did come through, I actually thought it was a, a, a hoax email. So I did report it to IT. <laughs> I didn't open it. Um, but it was an absolute honour to receive it. Um, still can't believe it. It's amazing. When, when exactly did that happen? When... It was in September. It was the beginning of September. I got an email through um, and then the birthday honours list was announced October 10th. Um, wow. So I knew for about a month before, but obviously wasn't allowed to say anything so brilliant. I surprised everybody I think <laughs> brilliant okay um I wonder Jenny if I could just ask you to give me a little bit of a, an overview of your personal journey in housing up to if you like COVID so before COVID say let's say January 2020 I, I've been in housing since I, I left school at 16 <laughs> <laughs> um so I've seen a huge change on my personal journey with housing. Yeah. You know, we were we were the council, local council, renting council houses. Um, at that point, it was there's your keys and you kind of let the tenant get on with the tenancy. You know, you yeah. didn't interfere until, you know, there was a, an issue with the tenancy. 
so yeah, from 16, um, and I worked in repairs, I've worked in housing management, ended up in income, um, and just kind of worked my way through the housing situation. So um, I'm on a, how many years? Line me. I'm 40, 47 now. So I'm on a, a like a 27 year wow. plus stint. <laughs> so it's, it, it's been pretty crazy. But yeah, I've, I've been with housing from, from literally leaving school. So that's given through. you a really broad depth of experience and knowledge to sort of draw on, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's um, huge changes. We've been in Almo, now we're a, a, an independent social housing provider. So, it, it, yeah, it's it's been quite a journey. Can, can I ask you a little bit about Believe? Have you been, have, has it been Believe all along? I know you said Council Almo. Have you been in the same organisation or have you been in different organisations? It's been different organisations. So we, we were council, then we um, stock transferred and we became East Durham Homes. From then, we we had a group organisation, so we were County Durham Housing Group, so we joined with two other landlords, which was Dale and Valley Homes and Durham City Homes. And from that group, we formed Believe Housing. So there's been quite a lot of amalgamation going on and aligning services. Um, So again, that that in itself was quite a journey, um, putting all that together. And for those people who aren't fully familiar with Believe, how big is it as a landlord in the northeast? We have around about eighteen and a half thousand properties, um, and we range from Seaham um, along the coast right up until um, the Dales in County Durham. So we have quite a wide spread properties. Lots of we're doing lots of new builds at the moment, so it's it's just a constant change in landscape for us. Okay, so getting into twenty twenty. And, you know, the onslaught of COVID, I'm aware that you've got this, this big team of volunteers helping with um, tenant sustainment at the moment. I'm just curious as to how and when that happened, you know, the, yeah. the team itself, how did that come together? Well, I do lead on safeguarding. So we did have a small number of safeguarding leads um, and myself and a colleague, um, Amanda, who's absolutely brilliant and so passionate about safeguarding, we did assist the suicide course. So there was myself and Amanda who started out doing that and we were taking the calls. But as COVID hit, it just became bigger and bigger and bigger. So we realised we needed some more volunteers to kind of help the two of us out. And that's grown into a, a 16 strong team throughout COVID and we handle all them welfare calls. Um, that come in where there's concerns. So was that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's a combination of the two, but it, it sounds like it wasn't something that you predicted. Nobody could really predict what the impact of COVID was going to be, but you reacted to it pretty rapidly. Yeah, yeah, we had to. Yeah, we had to put that together fairly quickly. Um, myself and, and Amanda, we couldn't actually cope um, with all them calls. Um, and we did have one or two volunteers who had been trained and we used to get one or two calls, maybe a month. And that quickly grew when COVID hit because people were facing these desperate situations. Um, so tell me a little bit about the, the volunteers then. Who are they and you know what, what part of the business did they come from? How did that all come together? 
the mainly frontline officers. So we just we put a call out really to see if we could have some volunteers and we were very clear on what that would mean when you became a volunteer. You know, it meant taking a call, didn't matter what you were doing, where you were at, um, you know, half four on a Friday when people's had enough of the work and we can guarantee that phone call will come in and they need to be prepared to take that call. So yeah, we, we literally, we put a call out and asked for volunteers and people came forward. And we're still getting sounds, volunteers coming through. I was going to say, because it sounds like you've had a fantastic response. That's quite a team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's great. And we do, we kind of rotate that team as well. You can imagine if you're on the top of the list, <laughs> yeah. you get the first call and then people work their way through it. So we try and rotate the list around so people are not being constantly contacted um, because we, we make that list accessible to everybody across Believe. Um, so okay. they know who to contact in a time and aid. Brilliant. You mentioned um, yourself and Amanda doing the assist course. So I'm just curious as to what sort of um, training, if any, that the volunteers have had or what sort of structure you, you put them in. Yeah, we put together a script coming away from that assist course. Um, and it is about getting that person to a place of safety. So there was a script put together that we trained the volunteers on and we do like a training session so it's how to start the call safely so they gather all the information that they need what questions they need to ask and what route that's going to go down to so they end the call safely as well we have had some hairy moments yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah it, it, it's really good so it's kind of a, a set training session that we do and we meet up as well every couple of months the the volunteers just to share experiences support each other um so yeah it, it's worked out really good good and has there been any um sort of proactive targeting having got the team together and understood the sort of response as you said it was initially reactive to what was going on in the world have you taken stock and sort of maybe targeted any groups of particular people who were vulnerable or stuff like that kind of alongside that because that group of volunteers are very reactive and they take them reactive calls. But what the organisation um, did do, and they, they did it fairly quickly, they started welfare calls. So they were targeting, at the minute we're contacting all our customers aged over 70. Um, but in the first lockdown again, we knew who our vulnerable customers were and you know, them target groups, the elderly, single people um so there was a lot of phone the calls made to to people to you know make sure that they were all right they had food just a general check-in and that went down really well that was really appreciated by our customers okay and i think when we, we spoke previously you said there was also um an initiative to access healthcare wherever that was needed with the permission of course yeah, again, that, that's around them reactive phone calls. So if they do need to speak to a GP, we'll arrange that appointment for them. Um, so we'll contact the GP and raise our concerns and ask the GP to get in touch. Then we do that with a follow-up call as well to make sure the GP contacted or the GP managed to get in touch with the person that we was, we've been speaking to. And that goes, you know, that's GP we've had where we've contacted CPNs. Um, so you know whatever the customer needed at that time we've made that contact and closed the loop to make sure that yes. the service has been delivered yeah Brilliant. absolutely okay. so 
I mean, it might be an obvious question, I don't know, as, we, as we're sort of coming to the end of 2020, but what's the workload like and the trend? Because it sounds to me that it's not something that's gone away, it's something that's grown. Potentially next year, it could grow even more. Absolutely. But, um, how, are you, how are you helping the helpers? So in terms of managing the well-being of, because I could imagine, as you said, if I know you've got the list rotating, which is good, but we've only got, all of us have got, so much capacity for empathy, there must come a point where people get feeling a little bit burned out. So I was wondering what you did to support that. Absolutely. It, in terms of the, the volunteers, we do a check-in. So after every call the talk, we're in contact because we, we talk through the case. I get a copy of the case. I make sure that the volunteers are okay. So, and, and we have our, our meetups as well. Um, and they're quite a resilient bunch too, you know, that, and they will shout up if things are getting too much and, and we do have them discussions. In terms of staff across the business, again, you know, it's very much about people's welfare, working from home. It's a very, very strange situation for, for people to be in. There must be, you know, people across the country are all experiencing this but the organization's been really good around checking on staff welfare um, making sure they've got all the equipment they need to work from home we've had you know a summer of fun we, we're doing 12 days of Christmas just trying to keep spirits up regular check-ins we've got bongo bingo coming up just to try and kind of uh, uh, to rally people but Again, we are having serious conversations with staff around their well-being and, and just to make sure that support, there's helplines in place. Um, so, yeah, the, there's lots happening to try and address that. Right. That's brilliant. Just sort of stepping back a moment from the acute issue of COVID and all the issues that that's driving, I'm kind of interested in the sort of business as usual aspects of uh, the tenancy sustainment team because I'm sure you... There's, there's that need to strike a balance between advice and support, but also about people taking personal responsibility. How, how do you manage that balance and how does that yeah. manifest itself? Yeah, there's, there's been some difficult conversations because, you know, at the end of the day, rent is due, but we're very, very aware of people's situations and we make sure we're, you know, we, we're looking at that affordability aspect. We work in, in partnership with credit unions and letting our customers know they are supported the most important thing is that our customers talk to us and getting that message out rather than burying their heads you know if they're having issues and paying the rent we want them to talk to us we want we want to speak to them we can help we can support it's amazing you know what we can do to help customers that they don't realize that we would even do as a landlord so you know we we look at energy suppliers we're looking at water rate reductions um We've got a team of debt advisors who can help people if they find themselves in a debt. So we can do um, some debt negotiation. There's absolutely a raft of support as a landlord. What people get really surprised that we can we can actually do. So for, for me, the most important thing is talk to us. And if yeah. you're trying to get in touch with you, contact us. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, and I think probably landlords across the, across the, the country will have the same situation. I think it's a very interesting message, the idea of, you know, engaging with your landlord, because I think you're right, you know, for me, this is the, the definition of, of social in social landlord, the work you're doing, it's got that solid identity. I mean, recently, a lot of social landlords 
perhaps not quite sure how far down the track they should go on the social side. And I think you and I previously had a conversation about the potential of social landlords becoming social workers, but there is a there is a balance to be struck there. And it sounds to me like yeah. you know I believe you've, you're really delivering on that social aspect. Absolutely, absolutely. And it also draws on your experience, as we talked about earlier, of the other departments in the in the organisation. You, you picked up on rent there as a key one. Obviously, tenant sustainability, yeah. it works both ways for the tenancy to, to be sustainable. People have got to pay the rent, but I think they'd be surprised, as you say, about the amount of uh, resources you can draw on to help them with that, which is very encouraging. Absolutely. To, okay. to, to stay, yeah. In terms of extending that out to 2021, looking forward, I mean, everybody's sort of <laughs> focusing on Christmas. You're talking 12 days of Christmas. But looking forward from there into next year, what are your thoughts? What are your concerns? What do you see as your greatest challenges? It, it's quite a scary thought to go into 2021, the way things are at the moment. Um, I'd like to think things are going to start to get better. Um, you know, employment, is, it's a massive, um, unemployment's a massive thing at the moment and a, a real concern. So... We're going into winter months, we're going into dark nights. It's, you know, not only is it financial, but it's people's actual well-being that is a concern. So, yeah, we, we, we're trying to prepare for that. Um, you know, just letting our customers know we're here and to talk to us, you know, if they are experiencing problems. And I, I just see that going on right into 2021. I don't want to sound bleak, but it feels a little bit bleak. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that, but I think, I think it's right to, you know, we have to consider it because we have to prepare for it. Absolutely. It, it isn't going to be a tea party. Just solving the pandemic and getting a vaccine is great, but the, the aftermath of this year is going to be considerable. And, and I'm with you on the idea of, of people's outlook being affected. It's interesting, there's a movement across uh, the sector about collecting with care, something that we're involved in. And it's this, going back to what we were saying before about tenant sustainability, you need to collect the rent, but there are, there are ways of doing that. And I think looking into 2021, a big factor is going to be the mental health of the colleagues within the housing associations mm. who have to chase that rent. Yeah. Because they know it's a hard time and they know it might be a difficult conversation. Um, but building up a consensus around the importance of rent collection if you like and paying your rent and meeting your responsibilities is is a big is going to be a big challenge to do it in a way where everybody's not frazzled at the end of the day isn't it absolutely absolutely like you say it's a two-way thing it, it, it's that it's the customer the welfare of the customer and it's the welfare of our staff as well that we we've got to be fully aware of when we having them them difficult conversations i think it's encouraging that you've got a few tricks up your sleeve so to speak that it's not just phoning people or contacting people to get the rent off them, but it's actually potentially opening up avenues to, to get more funding for them so they can pay the rent. Oh, I think that's, absolutely. that's a big disconnect, isn't it? A lot of people think that all the landlords are doing is chasing to get the rent, but they're actually facilitators, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly um, what the team do. Um, look for ways, you know, to, to maximise that income so they can pay the rent, so they can live in the home, so they can be comfortable, so they can heat, they can eat. It's really needed, that kind of support, and it's a very supportive approach. And I think we've always had that at Believe Housing, but it feels like 
it's more of a conversation now than ever that we need to have um, with our customers. Brilliant. I'm just wondering if anybody else has uh, been in touch with you. I mean, obviously the MBE is a great advert for best practice, but it sounds like you're doing a lot of good things. And I'm just curious if any other social landlords organisations, I did read somewhere that Durham County Council have shown an interest. Is there yeah, anybody else? We did some training with Durham County Council around um, that conversation we have when people are in in kind of mental distress um, and, and talking about taking their lives. So we delivered that training to the Housing Solutions, the homeless team, um, and that went down really, really well. So, you know, we, we have said if anybody's interested in that training just to, to drop us a line so that has been mentioned when we meet as a, a cohort in our safeguarding groups so brilliant so we can we can extend that invite out through the podcast hopefully and other other landlords who have seen the good what you're doing <laughs> yeah. and be able to pick your brains because that's a very much something i see all the time in this industry yeah. people doing good stuff and other people then being able to liaise and, and get some great ideas yeah Definitely. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think what I'd like to say, Jane, is a massive congratulations to you and your team for the recognition of the MBE. They don't give them out lightly. You've obviously been doing some good stuff. What I'm also really um, pleased about is the fact that you've, you know, the white paper came out recently and you beat them to the punch for me on the issues that were raised around engagement and, you know, treating tenants with respect and all those things because you're obviously doing that in spades. Yeah. And I certainly think that there are a lot of other people out there who can learn from you. So I'm really grateful for you joining us today as a guest. Oh, thank you. That's lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. If you're new to the Social Housing Podcast, please subscribe if you're listening via Apple Podcasts or leave a follow if you use Spotify. Also, please remember to leave us any feedback, good, bad or ugly. It can only help serve improve us. Finally, I'd like to thank you all for your time and attention. I appreciate that everybody's busy, but I do hope you learned something from the experience. I certainly did. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time on the Social Housing Podcast. Goodbye.